Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie, and I am your co host. And of course, I'm here with my baby, lovely, beautiful Millie's mother, Elise. Hello, friends. Hello, we're back, we're back, we're back. Um, so, what's going on? Not a whole lot. It's about to rain here. I woke up at five in the morning, so that naturally means I'm going to go to bed at seven. Ooh, nice. Take a little bathy. Take a bathies. Yeah, Elise was like, I'm having anxiety. And I was like, oh, is it bathy time? And then I realized most people don't call getting in the bathtub bathy time, especially not when they're like a 33-year-old woman. So I had to yeah, actually clarify that and be like, oh, that's what I meant. I don't <laughs> I loved it. So yes, I will be doing bathy time. Um, Before we get into our sparkles, let's talk about today. We're doing another motherhood episode, which I think is going to be exciting, except for this time we're focusing more on the children, which is interesting. So I guess the way that you would phrase that would be parenting. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's what it is. There's a word for that. So I think it's going to be interesting. We obviously we've had a few motherhood podcast episodes, uh, but this one definitely takes a little bit of a, of a different angle. And again, this is going to be one of those episodes where I'm going to be having my arms in the air. Like, I don't know, I'm just <laughs> guessing here. So if I say something that's completely off base, just ignore me. Cause I not really known as a parenting life coach. Just going to put that disclaimer out there. That's fair. I like surprisingly feel super pumped about this one because I used to do play therapy. That was like my specialty in grad school. So I feel like I got some tools to pull out of my toolbox today. Yeah, I did play therapy too. I don't think I was very good at it. So we'll see. Well, again, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. Um, okay. Should I tell my sparkle? I think you should. Okay. So like Callie said, I'm having a high anxiety day, which was obviously very, very, very annoying because I feel like I've been having like a collective three-ish weeks where I was feeling really good. I didn't have a lot of anxiety, obviously like have like the random thoughts that someone's going to get murdered or like, I'm going to get kidnapped, but those are just like daily things that I work with. Um, Wait, wait, really? Yeah. Daily things you worry about getting kidnapped. Yep. Can you get kidnapped as a grown adult? Adult napped is what (laughs) I fear. I suppose. I feel like that's just my hobby described like adult napping. All of my anxiety is so fucking irrational. Like I actually had to go to therapy in college because I could not go to the grocery store alone because I was convinced I was going to be taken from the grocery store. I need a second to process that. I I've had a whole lifetime to try to process that. And the only thing that works is Prozac and, or some sort of anti-anxiety medication. So we get back on that train. Yes, we are. But were you, did you get lost as a child or were you actually taken? Do you have a traumatic life experience you would like to share right now? No, no. My, my mom was just instilled the fear of God into me. 
because she has an anxiety problem until oh. I have an anxiety problem. This is why you won't get a doggy door. I remember talking to you and being like, just put a doggy door in your house because you own your house and you have the liberty to do whatever you want. And you were like, no, what if Millie gets out? And I was like, you have a fence, so she's probably not going to get out. And then you were like, wait, am I my mother? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but this is getting weird. <laughs> Yep. Accurate. I don't have a doggy door because either one, my dog will be gone forever or two, a killer will come in through a very small square in the door and murder all of us. Okay. From this conversation, I'm having a quick realization. I need to be fully medicated very soon, but what my sparkle was, cause I just feel like we were going down a really not great hole there. Um, my sparkle is that when you are someone who has an anxiety problem, which exhibit a is me. I definitely have generalized anxiety disorder, have always had it, will always have it. You can go through seasons where you have not a lot of anxiety. And then you have a day where you're triggered or randomly, like, I don't think that there has to be a reason for your anxiety to be triggered. But I think in those moments or in those days where you have a really high anxiety day, that's not like a regression. Right. And I think that can sometimes be the perspective of like, Oh shit, I was like doing so good. And then today I'm having like a ton of anxiety. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean about my anxiety? What does that mean about me? What does that mean about my life? And it doesn't mean anything. It just means that you have anxiety And some days you're going to have anxiety and some days you're not going to have anxiety. And I put it in the perspective of like, cause I had that thought too. I'm like, Oh, I did. I was doing so good. And now I have anxiety again. Like what's wrong. And then I thought like, okay, like I get migraines all the time. I have a migraine problem. And when I have a migraine, I'm not like, Oh my gosh, you know, like this means something. I'm like, no, I just have a migraine problem and I take migraine medicine and then it's done. You know, it's like, over and done with. So for all you fellow anxiety havers out there, just because you're having a high anxiety day today does not mean anything. It just means that you have anxiety and that's okay. Yeah. Maybe you can pop those good pills. (laughs) Feel better. I know. I was really upset that my body rejected Prozac or it didn't sit well with my migraine medicine. So if any listeners out there have any recommendations for what I should take next, let me know. Do you have digestive issues? Sometimes. What was the one that I told you about? There was someone that came up to me and she's, um, she's a gastro something doctor. And she was saying that she now prescribes anti-anxiety medication, not just for anxiety, but also for digestive issues, because that is a physical manifestation of anxiety. Yeah. I think it was like sort of the C. Yes. Yes. Citrus. I don't know. I'll Google it. I'll look it up. I I remember that. Maybe we can look at that. It doesn't surprise me though, that you didn't immediately run off into the sunset with your first anti-anxiety medication. I mean, I would imagine just like anything else, finding the right match takes time. And there's so many options out there. Yeah. And remember, most of them are safe for pregnancy and beyond. Mm-hmm. I'm getting is- on it. I'm getting on that yeah. train which is so nice. And if you want to listen to a deep dive on that, you can listen to our episode called drowning in motherhood, which was heavy as hell. So, so there's that. Um, all right. I'll get into my sparkle very quickly, which is so Andrew and I have not been getting along that well lately, probably for the past three days. And I think we've just had 
some realizations where, you know, maybe our fuse was running short or something, but I think a lot of stuff bubbled up to the surface. And it was interesting because probably two hours ago, we had a conversation about it and just talked about like, do, do you like me? Do I like you? Because this seems like neither one of us really like each other. And he, I think actually I have to give him credit for this. I can't take credit for this as much as I would like to really take credit for it, but he immediately externalized the problem and was like, you know, what if this isn't us? What if this is the fact that both of us are just running pretty tight right now? And both of us Mm -hmm. like, obviously, do we want to talk about what's really going on? And it was like, Oh, that's right. I don't have to take ownership for everything. That's so great. And I don't have to have you take ownership for everything either. We can seriously blame our problems on an outside force. And that's not a cop out and that's not being weak. And that's not, you know, avoiding the real problem. Sometimes we act like buttheads because we're stressed. And when Mm -hmm. the exterior problem or sorry, external problem really goes away, then the stress goes away. Not everything is something that you need to work on and you need to reflect on. And it's a symptom of childhood trauma of getting lost in a grocery store, which I am not convinced that didn't happen to you at least. But so (laughs) it's, it's nice to know that externalizing your problems do work and it doesn't mean that you are avoiding anything. Yeah. I love that you normalize that. And when you were talking, it honestly reminded me of when I was really, really sick with Lyme disease and it was like truly impacting Carl and I's relationship. And my therapist was like, you should name like your Lyme disease as a third party person. And like, whenever you're in a fight, be like, Karen is a bitch and we hate her and she's the problem. It's not us. It's fucking Karen. And Mm. it worked. It truly did. And I think that, you know, one normalizing like relationships are hard and you sometimes project your feelings on the people who are in closest proximity to you. And also like externalizing it is great. I love that. Yeah. It is really great. I have a tendency to take ownership of a lot of stuff that goes on in my life. Like I can't get rid of the nagging feeling that I was in the right place at the first fertility clinic. Like I was there. I was, I was at the place I was supposed to be. And then my high ass standards just got in the way, which is crazy. I mean, anyone would have left and found greener pastures, but in my mind, I'm like, you just have to have these high standards and you just expected your doctor to prescribe you the correct medication every time. Jesus, Callie, can't you just give people a break? It's like, okay, well, when I say it like that, that sounds crazy. Of course you would expect that, but that's what happens sometimes. I'm like, you should have known. You should have known. I just like, don't give myself much of a break. Mm. And so when we were having this conversation, I was expecting Andrew to not give me a break either. Mm-hmm. And then when he did, and by the way, he gave, gave himself a break too. So, so it's not like I just got a pass. He was like, I'm going to give you a pass and me a pass. We're both free. I love that. Okay, fine. Okay. I guess I'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um, but I just wanted to say that it didn't feel like a cop out, I guess I was expecting it to, and it didn't. So I'm more passing the wisdom of blame your shit on other things and not Mm. on each other. Yes. I love that. Yes. Amen. Okay. Which 
I actually think that might be a nice segue. Ooh, I'm might gonna use my own advice for this letter today. Uh, so let's get into it. But before we do, I want to introduce special guest and blush life coach, Miss Sarah. And what's special about Sarah is that y'all have probably heard me talk about her little sister, Caroline, who has a chapter in my book that I wrote. And I hunted Sarah down. You're going to hear this all the time. I hunt my life coaches down. I'm like, I, I get this idea in my head. I'm like, yes, they will join and they will love it. And they have no choice. And Sarah was one of those people. And she joined and has, of course, been just like knocking it out of the park. So Sarah, I'm so glad you're here today. Hi, me too. I'm pumped. Yeah, I know. It's going to be really good. So today we chose, as I mentioned earlier, a letter that was really centered on motherhood and parenting. And it's not even that I wanted Sarah to be on this podcast. It's that I needed her to be because I, eh, we're going to try. I'm going to do my best. Okay. And Elise has her play therapy background. Again, I basically failed out of play therapy. Uh, but Sarah, you know, has two boys at home. Uh, she's a school counselor. So she deals with this all the time. So Sarah, thank God you're here. Otherwise I'd be like, I don't know. What do you think? And Elise would be like, I think this and be like, great. I guess I think that too. I don't know. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say, Sarah. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Here's our letter today. Dear blush. I think I'm in over my head and I'm hoping you ladies can help me get my grounding again. I'm a newly stay at home mom with a six-year-old and a six month old at home. My husband and I decided we only wanted one child a while ago. And while my second was an amazing blessing, he nonetheless was a surprise. After his arrival, we decided to, it made more sense for me to stay at home for the foreseeable future. I loved working. I did, but it didn't make sense with the increasing childcare costs. I also love being at home with my new baby. And I love being able to volunteer at the school and be there for my oldest. I know I'm extremely lucky to have this privilege while there are tons of mama out there who have no choice but to work, but I'm running into two issues. First, my oldest child seems to be incredibly anxious for no reason. I'm not sure where this is coming from. She doesn't want to go to school. She's been having nightmares. She is constantly worried. I'm not going to be there to pick her up from school, even though I'm there every single day. And the list goes on and on. She's particular about what she wears and claims everything is itchy and don't even get me started on food choices. She did just start kindergarten, but she's been in preschool since she was three years old. So I'm not sure where this is coming from. I hate the idea of her becoming an anxious child and I'm not sure how to help. Second, I am having a bumpy transition into a stay at home mom life. I feel like I have to explain myself at every turn and that I'm never doing enough. When I was working, it was easy to feel fulfilled. I had performance reviews, raises, promotions, positive feedback, everything I needed to feel successful. But at home, I feel like I'm constantly failing. I don't feel like I'm getting the same respect from my husband or society. And the issues with my six-year-old just make it even harder. My self-confidence is lacking. My me time is non-existent. And I'm not sure what the rules are for being a stay-at-home mom. Can you two help me navigate this better so I don't feel like I'm failing at every turn? Thanks from confused and lost. I'm super into people who go, thanks with the exclamation point. It's like, so like, you're going to do what I say, but I'm being polite. (laughs) I use it. I use it all the time. Okay. I'm going to rush into my initial thoughts. And this is 
all I've got. This is really all I have. This is all I remember from play therapy. But you've got to remember that children that young, and I'm talking about the six-year-old, okay? The six-month-old is still a crying potato, so I have no idea what to tell you about that. But the six-year-old has some sort of semblance of control in her life, and she is clinging onto it for dear life. There are very few things in her life that she has control over. She has to go to school. She has to eat. She has to wear clothes, but she can throw a fit about what clothes she can throw a fit about what food she can resist trying to go to school because those are the only things that she thinks are in her control. So I would be asking, why does she feel out of control? What is it that's going on around her that makes her feel like she has to cling for dear life onto the things that, you know, she can exercise her autonomy for. So that's what I'm curious about. I just wanted to, I guess, confirm that these symptoms are classic for children who are trying to, to exert control in their environment. I think Elise has some ideas as to why that's happening, but first I want to cue in Sarah. So Sarah, I want to hear what are your thoughts about this? Not necessarily about the control issues or the anxiety or anything, but just overall, what did you think when you read this? Yeah, no, I related to it on a thousand different levels because I feel like that's my experience every single day. <laughs> and while I'm laughing because you say, you know, I don't know anything. Well, honestly, I don't know. I mean, kids are bananas. So as soon as you think you know everything, they flip it upside down and you know nothing again, you know? So I do, I have experience with my own boys with trial and error, you know, and I've screwed up a bazillion times. And I've seen a lot because I've worked in schools for so long. So I've seen a lot of things that work and a lot of things that don't work. And so um, like the first thing I clued in on was when she said, um, you know, she's anxious for no reason. And I think it feels like it because it's so irrational and it's not logical in any way, shape or form, but it certainly has a reason in this little brain, you know, for this little person, whatever the reason is. And even though she's been in school since she's three, that, like you said, that was her consistent piece. And now all that's changed. She's not with the same teacher. She's not with the same friends. She's not taking nap. It's a totally different ball game. She's in big kid school. I'm pretty sure it's probably a lot longer of a day. You know, it's new kids. Who knows what we're doing with masks and no masks? You know, I mean, it's just, there's a lot going on for her. And so I think it's absolutely par for the course for a transition. I know we did it. Um, my son struggled. I mean, he still does. I mean, if I have to hear that his underwear can't stretch one more time, like it sends me over the roof. I'm like, I can't, I, what we buy it two sizes too big. I don't know what else you need. It's a whole thing. And it, but it's like you said, it's always two pots with kids. It's either control or attention. And so we also have to remember that she's got a new baby. And so, you know, six-year-old is moving off to kindergarten, knowing that mom's at home with baby. So it could be control. It could be attention, but it's always stemming from like those two little buckets, you know, and that's what they have to, like you said, like cling to. Um, I guess like far, like if, if this were a parent coming to me, like at the school saying, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? We have a hard time getting out the door. Um, I always think of kind of like strategies and interventions, like in levels, right? So like tier one is like your basic things um, that you that she's probably already tried but it's always nice you know to hear again so you know obviously laying the clothes out the night before but having the kid you know lay, lay have her pick out her clothes and have her have that control piece over it like I'm gonna wear this tomorrow um, we also do it where 
like Thomas will come pick up my clothes. Like, you know, so he, like, he can say like, I have a meeting tomorrow. So I need to wear, you know, something a little nicer. Come help me pick out what I'm going to wear. And so we both get up in the morning, we both get dressed and I'm like, I'm in mine. Are you in yours? You know, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it's irrational and we can't do that. Um, but you know, there's that there's incentive charts. Research shows that that really only works for like 20% of the population, but it's worth a try, you know, and it's worth a shot just to try something for like a happy morning and they get a smiley face if they get out the door. And by the end of the week, you take them for Froyo, you know, if they have made it out the door without throwing a fit. And maybe you start out by doing three days a week, you know, and let's get out the door three days a week without it. And then we'll do Froyo. And just again, that stems that attention piece. So she's getting the attention from mom. She's getting that extra froyo time from mom. Um, so there's that. Again, it could lose its luster. And that's kind of what generally happens with those things uh, because kids need that new novelty piece. Um, but that is something to try. Uh, we always, because like I said, my, like mornings are a struggle. So we always, um, like our, he's, my son's a little bit older, but we do like a high five in the morning and he has his little five things to do. And so he gets up, he's got his breast teeth, make bed, get dressed, we give thanks, like just be something that you're grateful for. And then he's got to like feed the dogs. So if he gets stuck here with like, my toothpaste doesn't taste right. There's something wrong with my toothpaste. I don't like it. I'm like, move to the next, move to the next. And so getting him distracted and I need you to go, we need to get to high five, like get, move on, get off that hamster wheel because the hamster wheel just can cycle out of control. So to get, I just, we keep moving. I'm like, keep moving. We need to give a high five. Like just keep going. We'll talk about it later. And generally by the time he gets to five, he's forgotten about it because we're having pancakes and he wants chocolate chips. And I'm like, sit down, let's have some breakfast. So that helps. I think getting off the hamster wheel. Um, and then I just think you got to pick your battles, right? Like if she wants to wear the, the crazy shirt with the weird socks and whatever, you know, like, get out the door, you know, if that's going to be your losing battle, then, you know, that's, that's where we go. Um, so that's kind of those tier one things. And then it's like, if, it, if it's more, if it's continuing, I think you kind of move on to the next strategy, which is reaching out to your teacher, uh, reaching out to your school counselor, possibly an OT. I mean, we reached out to an occupational therapist for my son. Um, you know, just cause I was like, what is going on? Is it sensory? Is it truly something, you know, what are we getting at? So, um, you know, just things to kind of think about, um, as far as the severity, there is something my occupational therapist did say that was like a light bulb and it was something about five and a half years old, which I'm wondering if she is because she's right at that age where it would be, but something about five and a half years old between brain development and like physical development, like something happens and they just, I don't know, it could be the moon and the stars in the sky, but something happens to them and they just kind of have a hard time. So if she is five and a half, that would be totally on par for that too. So, um, yeah, those are just kind of thoughts as far as the child goes. Um, we can circle back to problem number two in a little bit. Um, yeah. another issue when it comes to, to mom. Totally. That's why this letter is so nuanced. And I was like, help, 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 help line line. I don't, I don't even know where to start. Elise, what are you thinking? Like, first of all, shit, Sarah, like that was good. I'm going to, I thank God I have your fucking phone number. Cause you best believe I'm going to be calling you when I have some babies at home. Okay. I just want to like take a moment to praise my girl. Cause that was really good. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Um, so loved that. My, I'm like seeing all of this through like a play therapy lens. And my question is like, obviously 
all of the things that she's noticing in her six-year-old, like I would consider those like behaviors, right? And so when you think of like the onset of the behaviors, did that align with like when baby came home or was that prior to when baby came home? Because I think that that's a big indicator. If the behavior started after baby came home, that tells me it's probably like a difficulty adjusting to transitions or like an attention thing, which I think are both very normative. And like, you have to validate that because your kiddo has big feelings. Like shit, I get jealous sometimes when Carl's fantasy football and I'm like, hello, don't forget about me. Hello, I'm here. Pay attention to me, please. You know, so like kids have feelings too. They have big feelings. And the difference between adults and kids is kids don't have the communication and the verbal skills to be able to say like, hey, I feel neglected. Hey, I feel abandoned. Hey, I feel like you're paying more attention to this crying ass potato who's really freaking annoying. And I'm here drawing pretty pictures for you. Like this don't add up, you know? So I think taking into consider in, con- into consideration all of those things and know that how she's responding is really just her trying to communicate her big feelings in a way that she knows how. Um, A couple tips that I'm like thinking through the play therapy lens also is if it's an attention thing, maybe try to schedule like individual playtime with the six-year-old when maybe dad has time to take care of the baby and, you know, maybe do like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And that is structured, no like questions. It happens every weekend. You guys can pick the day and it doesn't even have to be a weekend, but I'm just trying to figure out how that would go. That would be easiest for everybody so that mom's not stressing about baby or anything. But I think having that special time between the daughter, the six-year-old and the mom will be really, really good. Another thing that we utilized a lot in play therapy is something called narrative storytelling. And the reason why we would suggest that is for kids who are struggling with transitions, whether that's getting to school, going to the dentist, the parents are getting divorced and they're trying to transition and get used to like living in two separate houses. All transitions are hard for anybody. And so you have to support someone and give them a sense of predictability. Cause I've talked about this before. Predictability equals safety and security. And in order to feel safe and secure and calm, you have to have some element of predictability. And it sounds like that might be lacking here. So with narrative storytelling, you essentially work with the kid to create a story that feels like a, you know, you're reading a book, but it's about your situation. And so really like the key points in narrative storytelling is one, come up with the title. The title never changes Two, come up with the storyline. And that's something that the parent creates. And the story has to be the exact same every single time that you tell it, because you're trying to create predictability for the kid. So what the kid can have control over is picking which dollies or which stuffed animals play which characters in the story. So you would obviously have mom, daughter, baby, and dad. And then obviously if there's difficulty getting to school, maybe teachers involved, maybe, you know, whoever is involved in your, what you're trying to create predictability for would have a character in the story. And you let the kid pick the animal or whatever, who would be playing the character. And you do that every morning and every night. And you kind of suggest it like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to tell a story today and it's going to be new. And guess what? Like 
you're in the, you're in the story. Like it's, you really amp it up and get excited about it. And you talk in is it third person. So you're like, you would say like Callie and whatever the daughter's name is. And you kind of externalize it as if you're reading it in a storybook versus saying like, and then I do this and you do that. So the whole purpose is really externalizing it so they can process what's the transition in a way that doesn't feel personal. Does that make sense? Externalizing it. Yeah. There we go. Full circle. I love it. These are all like concrete ass tips, you guys, which is amazing. I have none of those. Uh, I have one thing that I want to bring up and I'm going to tread so lightly here because the last thing I want to do is insinuate any blame here and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. So if I am totally out of line, come for me, like swing the punches. That's fine. I am getting a lot of mirroring here between daughter and mama. Like it's, I I was reading this over and I was like, you know, obviously absorbing all of like the real shit tips. And I was like, I don't have any of these. So what am I going to say next? I just looked, I was looking at it and I was like, huh, I wonder if daughter is reacting to mom, not being confident in her role anymore Mm -hmm. because mom's sitting here saying, what the hell? My husband doesn't respect me as much anymore, which by the way, sir, I'm coming for you after this podcast. So you better duck and cover because yikes, she's saying she's not feeling like she's succeeding. She doesn't have these milestones anymore. She feels, you know, a little out of control. (laughs) And then you look up and you're like, wait for a child. This child sounds like she's quote out of control in her way. Right. She might not be disrupting in the classroom or doing maybe the typical things we think of with control, but as you know, hopefully y'all agreed that it seems like she is combating some control issues. Is that, again, I don't want to say, mom, you created these issues. So, you know, good for you, but I'm more saying perhaps the key to this is faking it till you make it like, yeah, you, I don't, I don't know what to tell you with how to create this environment of that you're always succeeding in motherhood, because I'm just going to venture to guess that it's really hard, but I will say, is it the worst idea to implement the tips that Elise and Sarah just shared for your child, but also for you, are you getting froyo when you're surviving three days out of the week? Like, are you getting a high five every morning? Cause I would like one of those too. I mean, I don't know if you're getting any of this stuff. And then if you're not getting it, how are you able to provide that to your daughter? And so I'm wondering if we can kind of start over and throw the rule book out and just do the best you can, but realize that your daughter's watching you. And so if you can come across as competent, you know, it's like the, um, the freaking flight attendant metaphor that everyone talks about, right? When you're on a plane and there's turbulence, the first thing you do is you look at the flight attendant. If she's sitting here going, would you like a diet Coke? Would you like a vodka soda or three or four? Then, you know, you're fine. You know, you're fine. It's fine. But if there's turbulence and you look at the flight attendant, she's like, we're going down, we're going down. Everybody brace yourselves. And it's like, oh, we're in deep shit here. And so you're the flight attendant. You can't be looking around going, we're going down, even if you feel like that. And I, and that sucks that you don't get that space. And hopefully you're able to fall apart at night or your freaking husband can come in here and take over for a little bit. But 
I'm just, again, I'm getting this strong sense of mirroring and I'm wondering if your daughter is also a really high achiever because you sure sound like one and maybe what works for you will also work for her. Mm. What do you guys think? Am I completely out of line? No, I mean, I always say like apple tree, apple tree. I mean, it's like, that's just how it is. You know, I mean, we are who we create, you know? And so, and it's hard. And I think you're right. I definitely think there's gotta be that happy medium of being the calm flight attendant. And then I think there are times where you can kind of let that go and see your, your kids can see you struggle because they also need to realize that struggle is part of life. And like, this is what we do, but watch them, have them watch you bounce back too, you know? So like where there is a struggle, there's also a coping skill, you know? But I totally, I mean, I also stayed home in between. I had bad mom guilt, like bad. I mean, like when he was little and I was at work all the time, oh my gosh, it stressed me out to no end. I mean, the the tipping point for me is I walked into a birthday party and there were two birthday parties and I didn't know which one was his because I didn't know the kids. I didn't know the parents. I wasn't dropping off. I wasn't picking up. And I literally was like talking to my three-year-old, like, which one are your, which one's your birthday party? You know? And I just felt like shit because I was like, I hate it. So some things happened. We ended up, I stayed home for two years. I was so, I was ready to stay home. I, so it's different in that aspect that I had, I was wanting it, but I also felt like super guilty about it too. Like I would go drop them off at school and I'm like, what am I supposed to like, I mean, I've got a potato at home, but like, there's nothing like, what are we supposed to do? Like, I felt like I wasn't using, like I've been to grad school. I had, you know, like I wasn't using my things and like, she's my degrees. And like she said, you know, when you're in an office and in a workspace, like you have things that monitor your success and you build on that. When you've got babies and children as your boss, like there's nothing more. I mean, like, that's awful. Like they (laughs) will make you feel like you're the worst at your job than you have ever felt, you know, but I would be like one thing that helped me, like when I would go fill out paperwork, it would be so stupid. I'd be like at a doctor's office and they'd say, you know, occupation. And I'm like, I'm a freaking counselor. Like I was a counselor. I am a counselor. I still am a counselor. Like nobody took away my degrees. Nobody took away my certifications. Like Yes, you know, I'm a mom currently not maybe practicing part time, you know, but I'm like, no, like nobody's going to take like, so I would put it on there, you know, and something, you know, they'd be like, well, you know, can I work around your schedule? And I'm like, yes, it's very flexible, you know, (laughs) but like, you know, it's just one of those things that I was like, no, like it's silly, but it made me feel better, you know, Um, and I, and I love what y'all said in one of the podcasts too about marriage advice, how like, instead of looking at like what your spouse is doing wrong, like look at what they're doing right. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to do that too. Like she can reframe it. Like, yes, you feel like you're missing out so much like on the work front, but I think you can also reframe it and see what you do get to do. Like when I was staying home, we would go on some long ass walks and I love a long walk, you know, and I miss those days. I'm, you know, I wish, you know, I did soak it all in, but you know, focus on something good. Like during that morning nap, like go have a cup of coffee on your front porch and just enjoy that cup of coffee. Um, you know, little things like, I mean, kids love the freaking seasons. It's fall, go pumpkin it up, go on some hay rides, like use that time, you know, just kind of see what you can do to, to look at what you're enjoying about your current situation instead of always thinking about like what, you know, what you're missing out on and continue your professional development. Like don't lose your certifications. Don't lose anything that you have. So when you do are, are ready to go back to work, like you are ready, your resume is updated. You know, there's nothing that's going to hold you back. Like I would strongly like encourage just having everything ready. So when that day comes to go back to work, like you're all, all in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, 
I can't, you brought up a good point that I don't think I've totally processed, which is she, this baby was a surprise. (laughs) I don't want to sit here and say she didn't want this baby because that's not fair. It's not, but she had decided that they were done and there is nothing that's going to upend your world more than a child. I mean, not that I've experienced that, but I just, I can't think of anything else that would just change your day to day more. And she wasn't even planning it. I mean, again, I can't stop thinking about this mirroring because Elise was saying like, well, is the, is the daughter experiencing a bumpy transition because there's a pooping potato who won't shut up and that's tough for anyone. I'm sitting here. I'm also like, yeah, mom, how are you expecting you to go from like working woman with one well-behaved child at home and a well-run home to, you know, guess what? I'm a stay at home mom. And I'm doing this all over again, six years later when I never thought I would be doing that. I mean, talk about a transition. And so the fact that she's even somewhat surviving, considering this wasn't planned is kind of a miracle. And so I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe she feels a little robbed of some of the, she, she was obviously building a career for the sustainable future. When someone doesn't plan on staying home at all there, I, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm guessing here, but I would imagine it's all right. Milestone to get promoted milestone to get raises. And she mentions that, you know, I was working towards something, And so I'm wondering if it's not just, okay, I'm staying at home and this kind of sucks. And, you know, my daughter's losing her mind and I don't know what to do. But as you said, Sarah, it's also the opportunity cost of what she's giving up by staying at home. And that's, that is tough to swallow when none of this was planned because moms feel like that, even when they plan on having, you know, two, three, four kids. You, that, that's not to say they don't deserve to feel like they're missing out when they make a choice. But this mom in particular didn't even make that choice, which is, it's just tough. I mean, it just goes to show that life is a series of seasons. Elise and I were planning this for our Instagram account. They saying everything in life is a season. It's not permanent. I mean, if this letter doesn't prove that, which is also to say, uh, confused and lost is how she signed off. So confused and lost. This is also a season. This doesn't mean you're never going to go back to work again. Thank God for public schools. At some point, you know, your little tater tot's going to be able to walk and go to preschool and go into kindergarten. And you're going to be back off to the races again. If you want to be like, this is not permanent. I have a question. Yeah. (laughs) Does the potato turn into a tater tot? Yes. And then is it a French fry? Yes. Puberty. French fry. Oh my God. I love that. That like really made me happy for some weird reason. Yes. Potato, tater tot, French fry. What can they, I feel like I'm a twice big potato now, just like crusty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. That like weirdly made me happy. And now I want a big potato, but I also have some thoughts. I think if you're a human being, you can empathize with like doubting yourself in seasons of your time, whether that's doubting yourself as a wife, as a friend, as a daughter, as a life coach, as a counselor, as a business owner, every single person, no matter how self-aware or healthy you are, you have 
seasons of time where you doubt yourself and you need a little boost and you need a little validation and you need a little benchmark to say like, Oh, okay. I washed my hair this week. Congratulations to me. Okay. That is on my schedule for tonight when I have baffy time. Okay. <laughs> but I think that what I'm hearing from this letter writer is that she needs community. She needs a group of women to also, or men, whoever, she needs a group of parents to be able to sit across from her and be like, oh yeah, you feel like you're fucking failing at life and being a parent. Me too. That's only normal. And that's to be expected. And this will not last forever. And so I think finding opportunities to find community and connection because she needs some sort of validation. And if your benchmark for survival is that your kid is still alive in the morning, that is good enough for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's very externally motivated. I'm Mm -hmm. noticing that as you were talking, she needs rewards. She needs a mom raise. I don't know what that looks like, but it should exist. And maybe that comes from her husband. Maybe she needs to sit down because isn't that the fucking point? Like what else do we use them for other than, I don't know. Like, hello, the whole man out lady. I could not believe that she was saying, I mean, society doesn't respect you. It's not, well, fuck society. It's not like society ever knows what's best for us, but the lack of respect that he's showing, I don't know what this looks like, but I mean, last I read in this letter, the reason you're staying home is because it's too expensive to hire someone to do the job that you're doing, which means that job is super valuable and takes up a lot of time. And is really hard because if the market rate is saying it costs X amount to do this job, I mean, that's capitalism for you. Love it or hate it. Sometimes she makes some sense. So I just can't believe that she's sitting here basically having to hold all of this up on her own. And if husband's working, okay, fine. Go do your little job where you tip, tap, type, type on the computer and feel important and send your emails. Okay, fine. That's fine. But I hope that he's able to help her feel good about herself by externally motivating her. There's nothing wrong with being externally motivated. I think some of us are just wired that way. Yes, I am internally motivated, but you know what? Sometimes I want to die on the inside because it's so hard to keep up with my expectations. There's just so much pressure. I think I would freaking love to be externally motivated. Andrew is, he was a one marshmallow kid. You know what I'm talking about? Mm Mm-hmm. Like in the seventies where they like put the marshmallow in front and if you didn't eat it, you got a second. And like a lot of the, it showed like internal motivation and like self-control. Andrew would have popped that marshmallow in his mouth in a fucking second and would have been like, great. And probably would have stolen the other kids who were patiently waiting. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that though. He turned out just fine. That study was, I mean, whatever. I guess there was some data that showed that some of them had some problems, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, there's nothing wrong with being externally motivated and there's nothing wrong with building that into your life. And there's also nothing wrong with getting help to do that. And if your husband's not willing to help you do that, we need to have a separate podcast to talk about that. Amen to that. Well, and I was going to say too, like, that's the other thing. Like if we get into like, if we you know, just to, you know, clear all bases, if it does get, you know, dark and heavy and it does get really sad and you do find that it's something that you can't get out of, then you absolutely need to reach out to your physician. You know what I mean? Because that's when, it is a chemical thing, you know, so maybe it is, you know, a bigger problem. And if it feels like it's getting too big to handle, then I think it's definitely something that needs to be reached out for more help. 
Yes. And I was also thinking to myself, that little six-year-old is a great candidate for play therapy. There's nothing wrong with saying maybe homegirl needs an hour a week to go play with a professional where she feels really important and focused on. And she's also getting the coping skills and the help. Like no one said that moms had to be the end all be all for their children. Um, and that podcast that I recorded with Mary Grace, she was saying that, you know, you're not born with a, with a rubric or like a manual for your child. And you have to get to know your child. I would imagine you have to get to know your child at every step, because as Sarah said, they change the rules on you. And so there's nothing wrong with bringing in a professional to help you navigate this. If she's going through a little bit of a five and a half crazy phase that apparently kids go through, you always hear about like the terrible twos, but maybe, I don't know. I would imagine it's not just that. And there's like years where kids just kind of feel a little, a little wacky and they might need some help navigating that. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if your daughter is also externally motivated, wants that validation and wants that attention and wants, you know, all the spotlight on her. And she, I mean, not wrongly, was kind of promised that it was going to be like that. <laughs> baby brother showed up and changed the script for everyone. So you kind of can't blame her, right? I love that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing wrong with getting professionals involved. Uh, physicians, school counselors, teachers, play therapists, all of them. That that should be your community. And as Elise said, that's essential. And then also, I, yeah, I really do think connecting with other like, quote, temporarily retired work moms would be a godsend for you. Um, so that you can talk to other moms about how they're handling this. And then also maybe some non-mom friends might be helpful too, so that you can feel reconnected to that world. I know one of my best friends is a mom of three and she values our friendship because I don't have children and we can talk about anything else but that. And she's like, happy for me that we're on this path. But I think part of her is like, it's also great that it hasn't happened yet because you haven't been <laughs> taken to the dark side. And so we can still talk about whatever. <laughs> and I mean, I, I get that. I, I relate to that even on this side. I'm like, oh yeah, that probably will be essential for me. And so making sure that you diversify your community might help you find perspective as well. Mm. What do you guys think? Are we, at, are we at final thoughts time? I concur. And I want to tell my thoughts before we say final thoughts, because okay. I don't have final thoughts ever. Sounds like you um, do. It sounds like these are final and their thoughts. Is this uh -oh. the first time I've had final thoughts and I'm not having an adverse reaction to it. Um, okay. I, I just wanted to give a resource because I heard about the peanut app, Sarah. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but it's basically like Bumble for moms and you can create filters. So you, if you're looking for other, you know, retired temporarily moms, I don't know if that's an option, but I know that you can filter out exactly kind of what you're looking for based on age range for your kiddos. And it's basically like a matching site with other moms in your community who are looking for connection and community and validation. So I think that that would be a great place to start and just download if you don't have, because I imagine when you're already exhausted and you have a crying, screaming child, and then your other kid is like being a little behavioral and having some issues, like you're exhausted. And then your husband's being an a-hole and you're just like, don't have the energy to try to seek out groups on your own. So that might be a really great place to start. My final, final, final thought is that 
she is seeking out like a rule book, right? Like she's comparing her existence and her performance to this rule book, but like it doesn't exist. There is no fucking rule book. And so I think anytime you're trying, like that's like setting yourself up for failure in a sense, because there is no comparative measure that you are either succeeding or you're failing in. And so I think, what's that movie where like throw the rule book out the window? Oh, it's the notebook, right? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking mean girls. The limit does not exist. Yes. I thought that too, but I also think the, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I think it's the notebook where he's like, throw the rule book out the window or something. And that was my impression of Noah. Yeah. Maybe I'm lying. Who knows? We'll have to revisit and see. That's a fun homework assignment. But yeah, point is, I think set yourself up for success. And instead of thinking of all of the places that you missed the mark or you were late to pick up your daughter for school or you forgot to feed the baby at the scheduled fucking time that they needed, I don't know how it all works. But like, instead of thinking of looking through the lens of all of the places where you missed the mark and you, in your eyes, quote unquote, failed, maybe just pay attention to also the things that you're not royally fucking up. Like, is your child's diaper clean? Amazing. That's a pat on the back. Is everybody eating? Is there food on the table? That's another pat on the back. Because I think when you put those negative lenses on that, like bleeds into everything else. And so if you can just look like I constantly throughout the day, I'm like, okay, I didn't horribly like that meal wasn't shitty. It wasn't great, but it wasn't shitty. And that's a win, you know? So try to point out all of the wins and things that you're not doing that in your eyes is a failure. Love it. Sarah, do you have some final thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's spot on. And I, I'm so jealous that I didn't create peanut. Like how, what have I been like under a rock? Like, why didn't I create this idea? I'd be a bazillionaire. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think, you know, I just always think too, like for myself, I like common sense isn't always common practice, right? So like, we know these things. I mean, it's common sense. And I just think we forget to put it into practice. So I think you just keep it simple. And just like you said, feed your child, get your child to school, you know, keep it simple and just make that a common practice. And then from there, you know, it'll build up and it'll, it'll feel better. Yeah. Keep it simple. Stupid hurts every time it's from the office. I'm just a quoting machine today. Okay. Two final thoughts here. I say this probably every other podcast, but confused and lost, you're going to get it too. You can have two feelings at once. You don't need to say, I swear, I'm, I know that I'm privileged and I know that I'm uh, lucky to be able to stay at home with my baby. And I didn't want this baby, but I love this baby. And it, stop. Like, we know that you're grateful. We know that you have those feelings. You can also feel a little bit of a fuck you to the universe and, oh my God, I'm drowning and holy moly, where are my pants? Like, that's fine. You can feel all of those things all together at the same time every day. You don't have to defend that. We know that and get used to it because that dichotomy is not going anywhere anytime soon. Second, I think I'm going to mix these two together. Uh, First of all, Everybody in your family needs some special alone or privileged time. And I'm wondering if that's not being carved out. Elise already talked about making sure that daughter has special playtime with you or with husband, just with the parent, I think is important. Um, Making it a routine because kids love structure um, every single week. I loved that. And I think that's perfect. I'm going to extrapolate on that and say that you need that too. 
And this time you need it away from your kids. Don't invite them. So I, I'm wondering now I, I might be totally wrong here, but I'm wondering that if you're a stay at home mom, Sarah, you can answer this. Do you feel like you don't deserve to have a nanny or how does that go here? What's the deal? Oh, I think you do. You do whatever you want. I mean, Oh no, I know. Of course yeah. I, of course everyone does, but I'm saying internally, like do yeah. As, when you were a stay at home mom, would you feel guilty about getting a nanny? A hundred percent. Yeah. Because you feel like that's part of my job. Like that falls under my umbrella. Right. Yes. That's what I'm getting at. And so I want to expel that big time. I think stay at home moms need nannies at least every week. Or, hey, look, if you can't afford it, I understand that, but there's also daycares. There's also plenty of time because I, a nine to five job, 40 hours a week is sustainable for people. Okay. You, you turn it off, you get in, you do your work, you come home, you turn it off again. Uh, when does this job end? Can anyone tell me? Because I don't think there are office hours or working hours for this job. Meaning I think having a break, whether it's grandma coming over where, whether it's, you know, a daycare, whether it's a nanny, I, I don't really give a shit what form it comes in. You need to have that weekly, at least once a week. I, I would love for you to have it more. I would love for you to have a Thursday morning by yourself and then maybe a Friday night and then maybe a Sunday afternoon, just something so that you have something to look forward to and you can get that me time. You can reconnect with your husband who better fucking be respecting you after this. And you know, you can have that time to recharge. And if you want to bring baby along to get quality time, if you want to bring daughter along to get quality time and have baby get dropped off, whatever, that's fine. I don't care. I'm just not getting the sense that you have anything to look forward to. And I'm wondering if that can replace these quote promotions or performance reviews or raises or whatever. Your treat is normalcy. Getting to go out and get coffee from Starbucks if you want. Going out to your favorite restaurant date night without feeling guilty. Because again, if we're clocking the amount of hours you put into this job as being a stay-at-home mom, it's more than 40. Like it's way more than 40. So give yourself a break, get some help, get some external help. Uh, don't feel guilty about it because I'm just getting that sense. And if you feel recharged and refreshed and like you are firing on all cylinders, I'm going to be interested to see how your daughter responds to that. And I'm going to be interested to see if some, not all, some of her symptoms maybe start to subside. I still think play therapy is a good idea. I still think, you know, consulting a school counselor, talking to someone like Sarah is a really good idea. Some kids are just born anxious. I think we have an example of that on the podcast right now. Hello, it's me. So, you know, that's not to say that all of this is environmental. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to inflict blame here. So we're all wired differently, uh, but could be a cool experiment. If mom is feeling confident and refreshed and like she is, you know, living a normal life now, I wonder how daughter responds. So those are my final thoughts. I have like maybe a final, final, final thought, which is like, oh, I don't know. Cheater. I don't know what's coming over me, but you were just talking about like mom guilt. And then yes. like Brene Brown just like came in my mind and was like, say the difference between guilt and shame. And she talks about guilt as actually a beneficial feeling because it's used to tell you and indicate that you actually did something in the wrong. And then you need to go repair and apologize. 
Shame it. So guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is I am a bad person because of what I did or didn't do. So this is, we're talking about shame here, which is like, I feel like there's enough mom shamers out there. Like you don't need to be one to yourself. And that, that is my mic drop on that. I agree. I love it. So yeah, I use, I think I use the word guilt when maybe I mean shame. I'm not going to correct that guys. So you're just going to have to guess which one I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a fun, <laughs> fun little game for all of you to play. Uh, okay. Everyone. I think we covered it. I think we rocked that one. There was a lot in this letter. We appreciated it. Give us more of these. We had so many characters. Again, my favorite one being the husband, I'm coming for you. So let's wrap this one up. Guys, go rate us. Go rate us. Go do it. Five stars. Please and thank you. Leave your review. Appreciate it. Please and thank you. Um, what else? If you want to join and work with a life coach like Sarah, because she is an actual life coach on blush, you could get this kind of advice on a weekly basis, which is just crazy. And you can sign up uh, with promo code blush you all caps for 25% off your first month. And remember, if you want to submit your story, write into blush you at joinblush.com. Hopefully you'll get a rock star guest like Sarah to help answer your question and give you the support that you deserve. So we love you guys and we've got more guests coming along the way. So we will see you next time. See you next time.